Today's New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Mark of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. If you would like to follow along, the scripture can be found on page 44 of the New Testament section. I will be reading from the Common English Bible translation. Now when the human one comes in his majesty, and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. All the nations will be gathered in front of him. He will separate them from each other, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand, but the goats he will put on his left. When the king, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, get away from me, you who will receive terrible things. Go into the unending fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry, and you didn't give me food to drink. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't welcome me. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothes to wear. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't do anything to help you? Then he will answer, I assure you that when you have done it for the least of these, you haven't done it for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous ones will go into eternal life. We celebrate the written word of scripture. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanksgiving has always been one of my favorite holidays. For my family, Thanksgiving was the very traditional holiday that we celebrated. We did not have a very religious household, so Christmas and Easter didn't have the same traditional feel to it, but Thanksgiving always was centered around our family and our traditions. In the morning, we started with the Macy's Day Parade. Even as a teenager, when I wouldn't willingly leave my bed before noon, on Thanksgiving morning I was on the couch at 9 a.m. ready to watch the performances. Both my parents would be busy cooking. My dad always made his mother's traditional turkey stuffing and his mac and cheese, and my mother would cook turkey and other sides. As my sister and I got older, we started making more of the, of the food and eventually took on to making most of the meal. My granny's special china would come out of the cabinet for the first time all year, and we would sit down together at dinner for the four of us. Usually it was just the four of us. Occasionally some of my older siblings would come over with their families, or an uncle would stop by. 
but the four of us have always been at dinner. Now, this isn't something that has always happened, but there are many Thanksgivings that this is the tradition I remember. And after dinner, once the dishes were cleaned and the food was put away and we were plenty stuffed, we would sit down for the first Christmas movie of the season. We would sit down together and watch Miracle on 34th Street together. We believe that Christmas happened after Thanksgiving and we held to that pretty firmly. This was our tradition. And even as an adult, even though I haven't been home for Thanksgiving in four years, it's something that I have held on to. And as much as I love this tradition, I've also begun to be challenged by it. Like most children, I was taught that Thanksgiving was a celebration of, meal, of a meal shared between Native Americans and pilgrims. It was a meal of radical hospitality between two groups, and we've held on to that story and tradition ever since. What I didn't learn in school is that less than a year later, the Indian Wars began, and a systemic genocide of people would not end until 1924. Even after this date, policies were repeatedly put into place that took land and pushed indigenous Americans further into the margins. The LA Times ran an op-ed piece this Thanksgiving by Tommy Orange, a member of the Cheyenne and the Arapaho tribes. He wrote about his own struggle with, the, with Thanksgiving, saying that although he grew up with it, he now deals with the complexities of what, it mean, of what it meant to not think critically about that holiday. And as an adult now, he chooses not to celebrate it. He says, we don't have to buy into it. Sure, it's a tradition, but so is the Confederate flag. My goal here is not to say Thanksgiving should or shouldn't be celebrated, but rather to look critically at why we continue to celebrate and perpetuate this tradition. It's a holiday that is centered on an idea of radical hospitality, that people should come together to help each other survive and welcome each other in. But our history and our traditions do not mirror this. In our text this morning, Jesus tells of the sheep and the goat, and we hear this very divided language of the in-crowd and the out-crowd that we've heard throughout Matthew. There's a group that has behaved correctly, and there's a group that has not. And like many of the parables in Matthew, they tell of the kingdom of God. And while this story does not tell of start with the kingdom of God is like, it does tell of a coming future. The lectionary has guided us through these parables, like the unforgiving servant and the vineyard and the ten bridesmaids, each with examples of what is correct behavior and what is not and what the punishment will be. Joanne has preached about these stories throughout the last couple of months, saying that when Jesus tells these stories, he is speaking truth to power, that the oppressive nature of the religious and political elite is not how the kingdom of heaven is going to be structured. And just in case the parables were not concrete enough to make this point, Jesus lays it out as clear as he can. Here is what you do. Clothe the naked. Feed the hungry. Visit the sick and imprisoned. Welcome the stranger. Welcome is at the heart of all of these calls to action. In her book, Making Room, Christine Pohl writes about reclaiming hospitality as a Christian tradition. She writes about how hospitality has become an industry, one that is based on the ability to pay for the attention and care provided, or how hospitality is something that we think of when someone opens their homes 
and, is and has, serves good food, inviting them into a clean and inviting environment and rocking an apron while they do it. Or it's something we think of as something extra we can provide. If we have the resources or the time, it's a great addition, but it's not a necessity. But this is not what Christine is talking about. She writes, for most of the history of the church, hospitality was understood to encompass physical, social, spiritual dimensions of the human existence and relationship. It, it meant response to the physical needs of strangers, of, excuse me, it meant response to physical needs of stranger for food, shelter, and protection, but it also a recognition of their worth and common humanity. This hospitality is open to all people, regardless of a stranger's ability to pay for or pay back this hospitality. This is seen in the Sheeps and the Goat text. Both groups are completely unaware of Jesus' presence in the least of these. Both the Sheeps and the Goats ask Jesus, When did you see me sick, hungry, or naked? The sheep, unable to recognize Jesus, still provided hospitality for those in need. The goats, unable to recognize Jesus, do not. And although they ask the same question, they seem to be saying something else. They seem to say, had we known it was you who we were helping, had we known that there was a reward to be gained or some payment to receive, clearly we would have helped you. But the point that Jesus is stressing and, the radical, and that radical hospitality attempts to address is that people need and deserve to be cared for. A few years ago, I was taking a class on immigration and the refugee crisis. We were studying in Paris, who, like in U.S., had become stricter on immigration as their borders had been flooded by refugees from Syria, the Middle East, Sudan, and Eritrea. While I was there, I met a young man named Yusuf from North Sudan. Sudan had had a particularly violent past, resulting most recently in the split between northern and southern Sudan. Yusuf was a member of the military, which was required upon all young men in Sudan, and he fled after refusing to kill innocent people. He went through Libya, where an ongoing civil war made it equally as dangerous to go through. And in Lit, once he was there, he paid nearly 700 euros to a smuggler to put him on a boat with hundreds of other people. These smugglers are a part of a lucrative business that the Libyan government has turned a blind eye to. They traffic humans from Libya to, coast, to the coast of Italy and other Mediterranean countries, mostly refugees fleeing from violent homes. They charge exorbitant amounts and provide unsafe conditions. After four months, Yusuf now resides undocumented in Paris. In order to gain refugee status, he has to prove definitively that he was persecuted or fleeing the war. In his first attempt to gain refugee status, he was denied. Now he's waiting for an appeal hearing. When asked what we could do back home, he said, I would ask that you feel the others. Our history of immigration restriction and violence against indigenous people make me question the holiday that claims to celebrate hospitality and welcome. There are more than 65 million people forced out of their home countries, of which less than half are granted refugee status. Of those living in refugee camps waiting on resettlement, less than 1% will ever gain that status. 
I'm grateful for the work that this community has done. Last month's session approved the church and society motion to explore the sanctuary movement on how our community could care for the stranger in our midst. Allison Harrington writes, the work of sanctuary is a faithful response of those who hear the words of scripture, for I was a stranger and you welcomed me. As millions of people around the globe run for their lives, sanctuary is a unique gift that the faith community can offer a world trying to decide whether to choose fear of the other or love of the stranger. Let us continue to be a community that chooses love of the stranger. Over and over, the Bible tells stories of radical inclusion, refugees being welcomed into communities, and a call for, to care for both neighbor and stranger. It is time to reclaim radical hospitality as a tradition we practice daily. And it is time to be critical of tradition rooted in oppression that continue to harm our neighbors. As we approach Advent, we are waiting for the hope that Jesus brings. But remember that this hope is not passive, that there is work to be done in this time of waiting. Work of radical hospitality, inclusion, and caring for Jesus who can be found in all people. May it be so.